Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. It is Cofield and Company, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. The TI is the spot. I want to welcome in everybody up north in Reno. All right, let's get into it. AFC uh, playoff scenarios now set. For those who have not seen it, the NFL approved a plan for possible neutral site AFC championship games. Certain parameters have to be met if we're going to get those um, neutral site games. Adam and I were arguing about this off the air, so let's bring in a, a neutral party. Soren Petro, <laughs> uh, out in Kansas City, is nice enough to give us some time today. Soren, thank you very much uh, for the time. Uh, so we'll just start AFC playoff scenarios now that they are set. Uh, from your perspective, the way it affects the Kansas City Chiefs, have they been screwed by this uh, format that the NFL has rolled out? First, let me say, John, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. Um, you know, um, Adam. That felt, that felt targeted. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, you know. I, just, I so, want to make that clear. Soren doesn't follow um, me on Twitter, but it's a, but it's a, it's a pleasure to speak to me. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'll have to fix that. I'm sorry. Um, listen, did they get screwed? I mean, look, there's some of the whinier fans that are saying that. I think of all the teams that got affected, they got affected the least, right? They. You know, the win percentage is going to be upheld. If they win, they're going to be the one seed. They're going to get a bye. That's the most important part of the equation. So I don't think you can scream too loudly. But if they would end up in a tie with the Bills, uh, they've got to play, you know, a, a neutral site game. If they lose and end up tied with the Bengals, a neutral site. So, look, I, I think, you know, a lot of teams are like, they don't have to go to Orchard Park, right? There's, there's no chance of that happening. So that's the most important part, at least in their minds. They don't think it's going to happen. And so that's the most important part is, is avoiding that part of the equation. But, no, I don't think the Chiefs can really complain, but I, I think as football fans you can complain. Why, why not just make that game up? You know, that would seem the most. Why not just, you know, read the rule book and go with what it says, go by win percentage, plug everyone into the bracket, and let's go. That would be – that was the consensus on our show as to how we would have done it where it left up to us. Yeah, there's a rule. Follow the rule. I don't know how that's so hard um, except for – and, look, I, I understand – it's a very sensitive time, and we don't want to, you know, state it. But the Bills were the biggest beneficiary of this completely. The Chiefs somewhat got screwed, of course, by losing a home game in the AFC Championship game. The Bengals got completely screwed, to which I say the Bengals should have said, hey, Bills, you're playing. If they knew the outcome here, they should have been like, we're finishing this game. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I, and I think that's the thing is, like, listen, I don't think anybody minded them not playing that night. And I, and I actually no. think it was the right decision. Although, I think here moving forward, the idea of the show must go on, I think may have to be the new policy because of just all the complications you're seeing that it creates here. But it could all be avoided, or at least, at least the, the, the competition level of it could all be solved by simply playing that game as a standalone game. Or, like you said, following the rules that are already there, uh, in place if you're not going to play the game and move forward. That was, that was you know, they never, no, there's no one to complain. Like, I, I don't know how you could possibly complain when that rule is in the rule book. Instead, the NFL seemed to eliminate what was the fairest thing, finishing the season, and then immediately just moved on because they got a little bit of blowback the first time. Now they're getting a massive amount of blowback. So, uh, and, and, and to me, the bigger problem is the precedent moving forward. Right? If you get a player, if they bring the ambulance out on a field for a player that has a neck injury, and those are traumatic events as well. We've seen players crying at those times. Does, does the team say, well, we can't go? And then you throw the rule book out after that in the future. I think that's one of the reasons why this needs to be really well thought out. They need to think about what it was going to do to future situations and what would be best for the future moving on, maintaining the integrity of the game, making sure all the paydays are met 
not to turn it into business, but that is part of it. That ESPN gets its game, that the gate, you know, for every team is, is upheld the way it's supposed to be. Everyone gets their payments would be to play that game, and that would have solved everything. If not play the game, at least go with the rules that are written. Now anytime you try to enforce the rules, any team that doesn't like it can say, well, we didn't follow the rules back in 23. Why are we following them now? Yeah, it's totally fair. And my question on that is, and I, I thought on, I said on Twitter last night, all the all the owners should vote against this. Obviously, the Bills should vote for it. It's a it's a gift to them. But the the Chiefs voted yes. Why? The Bengals said no. So the report I saw was the Chiefs abstained that they okay. didn't think a team that had more than a rooting interest in this, okay. you know, that, that had something to root for should should make should vote. Now, I listen. You you follow Twitter closer than I do, but the report that I saw and I can't remember who had it. One of the ESPN NFL reporters had it that uh, they have seen that Clark Hunt said they didn't feel it was right for the Kansas okay. City Chiefs to vote because they had a vested interest. So it's 25 yeses. It may have been seven abstentions. It may have been four no's and three abstentions. But the Chiefs abstained. And, and, and I, will, I will also point out that's not the best thing they could have done for their own interest, not only voting-wise, but they are staring down the barrel of a stadium vote not too long from now where they're going to be asking for new money to either build a new stadium or another massive renovation, Arrowhead Stadium. And fans are not happy here. Season ticket holders were calling today complaining about that they won't have an AFC championship game. People that you know were saving up to go to a playoff game wanted to go to it said, I can't afford to travel to Indianapolis or Dallas or wherever they're going to put this game. Like That just got taken off our, our plate as, as something that we were going to do as a family. So you know, it wasn't the, the thing that uh, served their best interest the most. That's for sure. You, I think you can at least uh, figure it's a, a noble effort. And I think the Hunt family has usually, certainly during Lamar Hunt's time, uh, always made decisions based on what they think is best for the league. And I think at the very least, Clark Hunt did that in this situation. So, Seren, one thing and I that Adam and I were talking about before we had you on off the air, so it's like essentially the conversation of having the one seed in the bye versus a home game in, a, in the AFC championship game, right? Like the value of those two things. Uh, my argument with Adam, because we're talking about who screwed or who screwed the most in this whole situation, my argument was getting the one seed in a bye, I think, is more valuable to you than getting an AFC championship game at home. Sure. Like, I'll just cut off and say, yeah. yeah, but they had both. Right. Well, it, it, They took away one of them. It's not, it's not either or. They I mean, had both. They didn't take away. They did. It, again. They well, had both. According to the rule, they should have had both. Right. If you're going to do that. So, but what my, my whole thing was the bye week or, you know, again, you could have had both. But when you're talking about the bye week, I think that is more important in this conversation. Like getting to advance to the next round, avoiding the possibility of elimination, I think is pretty important for them. Yeah, right. And I understand what Adam's saying. By the letter right. of the rules, they, they would have had, if they win, again, if they beat the Raiders, they would have had both. But to your point, John, is an important one because we've had all these trial balloons at the NFL because Roger Goodell and 32 billionaires don't have enough balls to <laughs> just actually say this is what we're going to do and take the ramifications. So they floated out through Florio and Rappaport and Schefter. The, you know, let's, try, let's see how this reacts uh, and, and put it out there. But that, that was looming out there. Like that, you know, one of the things that was being discussed was the choice of the bye week or, or knowing that you would get the conference championship game at home. And, you know, I called a couple of people in the league, and, and they all said, no, give me the bye week, right? That, that's a win. That's a win in your pocket. Who knows if you're going to get to the conference championship game? Who knows who you might see? I mean, just see what the Chiefs had in their route to winning a championship in 2019. A lot of Chiefs fans didn't want to deal uh, with, with the Baltimore Ravens that year, right? The Chiefs had beat them, but just barely needed a fourth and 17 conversion uh, that year to beat them. The Ravens were the team in 19. 
and the Tennessee Titans did the work for them. They faced the Tennessee Titans in the AFC Championship game instead. So I think the bye week, is that's what everybody I talked to in the league said they would do. It's definitely what the Chiefs would have done. And I think getting those wins and then you know, home field advantage, John, you know this, and Adam, you're pretty sharp on the betting too, but uh, you know, I know JVT does a lot of it. Yeah, like the home field advantage ain't what it used to be. And so getting on a plane isn't that big a deal anymore in the NFL. So I think the bye week is, is definitely a big part. And that's why I go back to what we said before. That's why I think, yes, did the Chiefs get affected? They did, but certainly not the way the Cincinnati Bengals were affected. And Soren, me, you can speak to this a little bit more. Um, I, we don't know who their opponent is going to be if they make it to an AFC championship game. But if it is a neutral, and we, I have an idea who it would be, I mean, playing on a neutral inside a dome with that offense or playing in the elements in Kansas City – but, like, it is a little beneficial for them to be inside if it is going to be the case, is it not? Yeah, and, and not playing at Buffalo with, right. with the way they want to play offense, certainly. And, and even at Cincinnati, which was a possibility. because The neutral field can come and play with the Chiefs and Bengals as well. Uh, you know, the, with the Bengals, uh, you know all the scenarios. I'm sure they've all been discussed. But anyway, so if it comes into that, yeah, not being outdoors today, from that standpoint, yes, that, that would benefit the Chiefs offense, which is the best offense in football. And if they were going to change it, just at least make Buffalo Cincinnati a neutral. If you're going to be, you know, consistent about it, they should have done that. But there's so many different things that they could have done. I, I suppose. wanted the weighted coin well, flip. Sure. Well, let me go. Let me go because I, I had I had uh, Mo Egger on from Cincinnati, and he's like, okay. He said they're going to flip a coin on Baltimore because there was only one game and it was head to head. He said, but how about the Bengals beat the Chiefs? But there's not going to be a coin flip on that one, <laughs> even if they finish behind, right? Even though they would have the head to head. That game, but we're not going to flip a coin. The Bengals will have to go to Kansas City if the if the Chiefs are the one seed. Uh, you know, there, there's all kinds of other games that have been played that have set up the exact same scenario uh, theoretically, but there, there's no coin flip. Only the coin flip between the Bengals and Ravens. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a dysfunctional hot mess uh, from top to bottom. Sure, the league completely protected Buffalo because they felt bad about the situation, which I, I guess that's fine, but it's not really fair to everybody. But it is what it is at this point. Um, we want the game here, the AFC Championship game. It would be great at Allegiant Stadium. It would be awesome. But do we want Chiefs fans here? Are we going to get our banks robbed? Are we going to get fights? What's what's going on with the fans? <laughs> Come on, I'm trying to get over bronchitis here. I don't need you making me laugh. Uh, Adam, for crying out loud, I'll be coughing for five minutes. Uh, I, I, I believe Weird Wolf is still uh, behind bars. Okay. Listen, I'll tell you something. Here is... There's another guy, if you ever want to have some fun Googling, called The X Factor. Sure. He used to complain that he, he called himself The X Factor before Dante Hall did. And so he was always frustrated that Dante Hall got that love. Uh, there is a collection, and they all gather around. There's a radio show every Monday that Mitch Holtis, the play-by-play voice, does. And they all go to that show. And he rattles off all these people one by one. And we're joking about how it's like basically a police lineup now. That if you if you need to solve any unsolved crimes in Kansas City, you just show up at this radio show because all the whack job Chiefs fans are all at that show every Monday night. Didn't Red Extreme knock out X Factor? Is that is that what went down? Yeah, that is right. Yes, okay. I mean, you're very. Yeah, you know, the, the, the Days of Our Lives uh, Chiefs fans edition, you're very knowledgeable. I'm it. very up on it. Um, we don't have much time, but the, the Chiefs are just going to blast the Raiders tomorrow, right? That's my expectation, but I've been calling for the Chiefs to beat down every opponent for like the last 10 weeks, and it's only happened kind of once against the uh, Seahawks. They did do it against the 49ers, but they've been in rock fights with the Broncos twice and the Texans once. They can't hold a a, uh, uh, place kick at all. Butker, when it is held, uh, is struggling to kick it through the uprights. Uh, They do have some injuries now. All of a sudden, Joe Tooney is questionable. Don't know if Nicole Hardman's going to be ready. He's been out for, I think it's eight games now. 
Uh, so there are some injury questions. But, you know, turnovers are a big problem. They keep turning the football over. Special teams as a whole has been a disaster. They are by far, if you look at the analytics, the absolute worst special teams unit out there in football. And they continue to keep wanting to return kicks, even though they fumble them, they muff them. So, yeah, they can keep anybody in a game because that's what they've done. They basically gave 11 points to the Denver Broncos last week in a game that they won by three and were favored by, I think it was 13. They cover the number if they can just hold on to the football and execute. now against the Raiders. The, the only thing I like more than the fan drama is the holder drama. And I did talk to somebody close to the holder uh, with the Chiefs who said this is not – the attention and the Twitter debate is not helping. It is not helping him get any better. No, no. And listen, the drama is because Dustin Colquitt, uh, who I who you know used to be the Chiefs punter and holder and held for, for Butker when they won the championship in 2019. He was a Pro Bowl punter on his own right. You know, Tim Townsend's a Pro Bowl punter. Um, you know, even ahead, and he called into our, our station and said, listen, here's what Townsend's doing wrong. And then he detailed something that he told me. I'd been talking about, well, here's some things to look for. Because Dustin told me this a couple of years ago. But he, he was like, I- I'm calling in. I'm putting this on the air because I really want someone to go make him do these things. Like, you know, when, when the ball is a quarter turn away, he can only spin the ball one direction. So we've got to spin it three quarters of the, of the way around the football, which brings the laces across in front of the kicker, which is a distraction for kickers. Like he point by point detailed all the technical fundamental things that are being done wrong, wow. wrong by Townsend. And, and the Bucker extra point field goal problem has oh, been going boy. on for several years, and that's not what you want when you know an expert former teammate is the guy who calls you out on it. Sir and Petro, thanks, man. Appreciate it, man. We're up against it. Thank you very much. Uh, we have take our break here. We come back. Rod Woodson joins us next. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar at TI is the spot. Everybody out in Reno, Nevada Sports Talk Hour with Cofield and Company on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. Of course, we welcome you in if you're just joining us. Let's talk a little football. Rod Woodson's with us, head coach of the Vegas Vipers. The XFL sees it right around the corner. Coach, good enough uh, Good enough to talk to you today. We appreciate the time. How fired up are you? We're about a month away from the kickoff of the season. We just got the schedule. You excited? Oh. oh. Okay. That, would be that was a great – do that again okay. when we do have them. That was awesome. It was be, a great uh, intro, great energy, great setup. I liked to, it. It would be good to know, you know, maybe down the, down the line. We won't do it. I like it. I liked it. It was good. I'm going to get it ready. To Hopefully, Danny recorded that and just played again. <laughs> yeah, he's playing for played it again. again. Yeah, uh, we did, Ron Woodson when he does join us. They just they did just announce the schedule, yep. ten game schedule for the XFL, and then uh, the postseason uh, after that, which will be uh, four teams qualifying, three total games. There are 43 games in the XFL, all on major networks. I mean, they're set up to succeed this time around, and obviously, uh, Vegas learned that they'll be playing their home games at Cashman Field downtown, which is part of. Um, you know, one of my favorite kind of uh, developing parts of the city uh, and what they've done down there is awesome. So uh, I'm excited. I want to see what they do with it. I know uh, talking to some of the league officials, there were some concerns. Obviously, the first thought that for people that have been there is locker room and facility mm-hmm. uh, questions. But the XFL uh, had some creative solutions and threw some things together that okay. uh, made that work. What are creative no, solutions? No, I mean, they understood that they weren't going to be able to just right. go with what they had. So uh, they had to bring in some reinforcements and uh, build out a little bit. So uh, they're excited about what they can do down there. I think it'll be a very cool 
game day experience. And, uh, you know, I've, you know, being around the draft and uh, kind of seeing what's developing here with the XFL, I'm, I'm excited about it. Are you just excited for football? Yes. Or yeah, I was going to say, is that like the thing? Well, also, I, I loved the XFL, uh, the original incarnation of the XFL. Right. I mean, at the time, it was the biggest thing that we had by far. And it was such a spectacle and awesome uh, to go watch it. Now we've got all kinds of other major league sports and things going on. But um, I, I think that there is a, a lot of potential for what they can do in the market. I, I don't, the Cashman, I don't think it was anybody's ultimate dream spot. Right. Um, but I think that there's some things they can do down there that will make it very cool. And, and like I said, anything downtown, I'm in. So correct me if I'm wrong. So the original incarnation of the XFL to this one right here, this one is more of like we're trying to be a developmental pipeline yeah, thing, yeah. right, as opposed to entertainment spectacle? I mean, I think there's still going to be some elements. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be more, uh, to me, it's, it's, more, it's more football. And they're using a lot of, um, they've got a lot of, uh, you know, not directives, but I think some instruction from the NFL to say, Hey, try this. Let's try this rule. See how it works with you guys. Let's try this innovation. See how it works with you guys. Because last time the NFL just kind of stole a lot of what the XFL did. <laughs> um, now it's more it's more of an agreement of hey, try this. Do this camera angle. Try this. Mic up players. Do this. Do this. Do this. Let's see how this works. And and it's going to be experimental. And some of the rules are going to be experimental too that the NFL could adopt. And then they have obviously an agreement where uh, they could grab some players and bring them into the roster. So. Um, it's not a direct developmental league, but there's definitely more of a partnership and more of a, a pure football aspect to it. Steve, do you think there's life in this? Yeah, I think Adam just named some of the reasons. I, I think this one has the best chance of surviving. Now, does that mean it's going to survive for 10 years? I don't know. I mean, we're not going to know all the details and how the league is structured and how play is and what the TV deals really look like until, until it starts rolling out there. I mean, I don't – I'll be honest, I think it's a more of a Vegas thing than a league thing. Although I don't know all the stadium situations around the league. I don't I don't like the way things went down, Adam, you know, these last couple of months just to get a stadium. Well, I, I think if you look at what what happened and it was more like you know, I'll I'll say right now, L V ballpark I think was their dream spot, uh, which I think would have been awesome with downtown Summerlin. It's great, but there there is another team that plays at the same time. Like you would have to, you would have you have said, okay, uh, aviators, you're on the road for a month and a half. Like we're gonna have a football field here, so get out for a month and a half. Like that wouldn't have been great. Um, so you've got that issue. But I, with Cashman, uh, it's more of a place where they can do what they want to do. They can set up the way they want to set it up. Have a great uh, football game day experience, and and have it make it theirs. It's their own for now because the lights are not home for a long time. So. They can have a place that's home instead of trying to figure out how to share a, a venue with somebody else. All right, let's see if I can recapture the magic from a couple of minutes ago. XFL season's right around the corner. It's about like a month away. Rod Woodson, head coach of the Vegas Vipers, is with us now. Coach, are you excited for the start of the season? I am. I'm excited. Uh, and we, we, we finally got a venue, so I thought we, I thought we were going to have to play off the 215, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we got a we got a field, and that's gonna that's gonna be pretty awesome. So, what what is it like the next month trying to get ready, get everything together, get everybody assembled? I know you've been you've been you know bringing players in. You had the draft, you had the supplemental draft, and now you're counting down. So, what's this next kind of month and a half like for you? Well, our, our players come in tomorrow, and then uh, we start onboarding, um, and then you know we got our first kind of ramp up for a couple of days, and then we start practices uh, in a little about a, over a week. Wow, sneaking up on us! It's coming right up. What uh, what is this team going to look like? Are we going to throw it all over the field? Are we going to be a smash mouth team? What are we going to look like when the Vipers take the field? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, 
my mindset, so I'm an aggressive mindset, you know, uh, the, the, the Vegas mentality is scared money don't win no money. So, <laughs> nice. I mean, that's going to be our mentality. Uh, you know, we can't play scared. We got a, I want an attacking offense. Uh, uh, you know, I want an attacking defense. Um, and, you know, we're going to respect our opponents, but we're not going to fear anyone. Um, you know, but we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun kind of, you know, slinging around. And, you know, each, I, I would think that each game plan might be a little bit different depending on the teams we play as we start seeing them play. Um, Whatever type of defense and offense they're running, and then we'll we'll suit it. We'll suit our offense and our defense for what the other teams are going to try to do. Yeah, that's what my question was going to be. Is like from a game plan standpoint, when personnel's so different, when you have no idea how this is going to go, like not only this month getting ready for these games on a week to week basis, how is that a unique challenge for you? Well, it is. I mean, it's you know, anytime you you know, the difference with us is that you know, players might get called up it to a practice or to you know, uh, uh, OTAs. In the NFL, you know, and they might be gone. Sure. And then, you know, if there's something like that happens, then, you know, you got to kind of kind of scramble and get your somebody else in there. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you have your foundation of what your offense and defense is going to look like in your special teams. And you don't deviate too much. I mean, even in the NFL, you know, you only run so many new plays in a game. Everything else is just the foundation that you, you built on throughout the offseason. So, it's the same thing with us. It's gonna, we're we're going to have our foundation of what our offense and defense team is going to look like. And then we'll have some special plays, so to speak, and special defenses um, for each team that we play against. It's the voice of Rod Woodson, of course, a legend in the NFL and the coach of the Vegas Vipers. Uh, XFL team starting up Cashman Field next month, February 25th, the home opener for the Vipers. Can we make a request, Coach? No, no time, unless we're inside our own 25-yard line. We're never kicking on fourth and one or fourth and two. We're going. Well, I told you, scared money don't win no money. There you go. I like it. How about never you know? punting? Yeah, never punt. Yeah, yeah, sometimes never, you gotta have well, a punting. I'm not gonna say never because that would mean you're on our 20 yard line. That's a, that would be very stupid of me as a head coach to to, to go like out it. there and on a limb like that. But no, I, you know, I, I think. So each 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 moment, you know, we'll have our analytics. We we have our piece of paper that we want to use in our numbers. Okay. Um, but the flow of the game itself should tell every coach how the analytics should be put into that game. There we go. And that's the same thing I would do. I like it. I like it. Uh, you've got you know you're starting to put together that roster. You said the players are coming in. Uh, any guys that you think are going to be real standouts that the fans are going to love? Man, I don't I don't like. You know, individualizing yeah. and, and naming guys. Um, I think as a whole, um, you know, some of these guys that you know maybe I don't, I don't know too much about, um, will surprise me. And yeah. I think that's what this league is about, right? This is a it's a league that, of opportunity, uh, opportunity to get some players who to get maybe to have a shot to get in the NFL, uh, and then you know other guys who've been in the NFL to keep playing, keep living a dream, and keep playing. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a good blend. Uh, but we have some older guys. Like, we, you know, we got Ortavius Bryant. We got Vic Beasley. We got Rod Smith. I mean, all those guys have been in the league uh, quite a while. Um, so, you know, I, I will lean on those guys to come in and, and show some leadership. And I would think that those guys are going to make some plays for us. And how about, how about you, Coach? Well, I mean, you have a lot of opportunities out there. You've done a lot of things. Why is this something that you want to do? Why is this important to you? Well, you know, I love coaching. Yeah. I, I've been trying to get back in the NFL since, uh, uh, you know, 
John Gruden fired everybody, or Mark Davis got us, you know, we all got let go, you know, so I've been trying to get back in, just don't have an opportunity. This is a great opportunity for me to, to keep giving, to giving back to what was given to me as a player. All the knowledge that was dropped to me from all my coaches that, you know, I, that I, uh, throughout my tenure of playing in the, in the league for 17 years, to give that back to the guys, uh, give them understanding of what it's going to take when you cross the white line, uh, to play at a high level, um, you know, and then on top of that, uh, you know, hopefully I can make one of those guys' dreams come true, and we would also hope that we make them better human beings. So when they're in the Vegas community, they're giving back to the kids and the, and the communities and meeting with local, uh, hopefully some flag football teams or whatnot, and, and giving some smiles to the kids over there. Rod Woodson, again, head coach of the Vegas Vipers. Rod, we appreciate some time today. Thank you very much, sir, and good luck this season. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Yep, you got it. For those who are interested, XFL.com, head to the Vegas uh, page. You can get in $50 deposit for tickets, course, and more. Check out all the information again, XFL.com, and you can uh, get some more information there. All right, we'll come back. We have a lot to get to, more ramifications uh, from the – from the decision in the NFL when it comes to this matchup between the Bills and the Bengals and crime and punishment, one of the biggest mysteries we've ever seen in the last 20 years. Maybe it's been solved. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Nevada Sports Talk Hour with Cofield and Company. We, Adam Hill and myself, out at Golden Circle Sportsbook of Bar TI, Steve Cofield, out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now, I don't know. I've never talked to Steve about anything like this before. I don't know where his interests are. Murder and, like, true crime stuff. Steve, where are you at with true crime and your passion or lack thereof when it comes to true crime? Uh, one to ten or seven. Really? Yeah. Why not? I don't know why that surprises me. I know you're into a lot of shows, but I feel like like I can't see you enjoying the first 48. My mom watches that a lot. Uh, you know who's really into it is the significant other. Yeah. So by default, I mean, I, I like stuff like that, but by default, I watch stuff like that all the time. She goes to sleep to that stuff. Yeah, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> she'll, she'll have the TV on and uh, what is it, like Destination ID or something? <laughs> that That's on. In the background, yeah. You, it'll, uh, you'll wake up in the middle of the night, and you're like, okay, what's going on? The victim was stabbed 27 times in the aorta. Yeah, they'd wake up to that. So Adam, how much did you follow these, uh, these unfortunate uh, murders out in Idaho with the four college students? Uh, for me, almost not at all, but, but I did a little more because of Adam, because Adam has been, like, just freaking all over it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get into a lot of the cases, but when I do, it is all in. It's either nothing or completely all in, and I was all in on this. No, you weren't one of the people trying to solve it, were you? I mean, I had hopes. I had <laughs> yeah, hopes that, solving. like, somewhere along the way I would find the clue. Like a, uh, what's the what's the documentary? Don't F with Cats? Like yeah. one of those people? Oh, like yeah. Internet sleuths? Uh, no, the, like, of course. I wasn't. I, there was people out there that were like, I'm going to solve this case. Like, right. no, that wasn't me. But, of course, there was hope <laughs> of, like, if you yeah. watch enough surveillance footage and you, you see something, you're like, oh. Right. I saw something nobody else saw. Of course, there's that deep down, but no, I, I didn't have any delusions of grandeur that I was going to be able to do that. So what I think is great about this is, so for those who do not know, uh, four college students out in Idaho, of course, uh, are murdered. 
initially, so this happened in November. November 13th. Uh, November 13th, sorry, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, at 1 o'clock in the morning. Or no, 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 they said between 3 and 4. It actually was about 4.12 a.m. So what, what I thought was the interesting rant, like, coming out of this was a lot of people thought the police were clueless. Yes. They, including, I think, the victim's parents. Like, some of them were, some of them were yeah, very outspoken sure. about the ineptitude of the police officers and, you know, the investigators when it came to this case. It turns out they were playing, like, 4D chess the whole time. Yeah. And they had their guy pretty early on and were actually giving out fake information to the public so they would not give away their trail. Which is fantastic. Right. Now, I've seen people mad about this, saying, like, how are we supposed to follow along if you're not giving us accurate information? What? It's not a game. Oh, God. We're not playing a game out there. So the, so for those, uh, what I'm referencing is the, the police outright lied. Fine. About a lot. Yeah. It was intentional. One is because, so there was a, a, a huge part of this is there was a house that five girls lived in. The victims were three of the girls that lived there and one of their boyfriends that was there sleeping over. So they got killed. And then the the police had said that the two downstairs roommates slept through the entire thing. So for a month and a half, people were furious, saying they clearly did it. They were involved. They had to be. How did they sleep through this? Now, it turns out they didn't sleep through it. In fact, one of them came face to face with the killer and he left her alone and left the house. And she panicked and, you know, was freaked out. But they t- they didn't say that on purpose for a couple reasons. One, they didn't want the killer to come back and kill her because there was a witness. It's not your business to know what's going on. So for people that are, like, mad at the police for how they investigated it and didn't give the information to the public, go screw. Yes. This goes back to the way we opened the show and my original point. The Internet sucks. Sure. A, a lot of people on the Internet suck. And it is not your entertainment to find out what happens here when it comes to some of these investigations. And for these people to openly question these, can we just admit there's some smart people doing their jobs? Sure. They knew what they sure. were doing the whole time. Sure. And you on TikTok, right, who are like, <laughs> I think the neighbor's kind of weird. What about? <laughs> he, I think he did it. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. What about the psychic? The psychic oh. laid out the entire case. She was completely wrong. <laughs> All right, we'll come back. Uh, I'm wrong a lot when it comes to betting, but is Steve, he's been firing away on his Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Is he right about that? We'll find out. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting. It's Cofield and Company with the Battleborn Sports Hour, presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call from anywhere in Nevada, 766-1400. Steve's out in Albuquerque, but I know Steve is an avid better. So I saw this come across, and I thought of Steve Cofield right away. That's from Max uh, Mayer, who covers sports betting. Late August, a Caesar sports better put down $1,200 on Rutgers at 750-1 to to win the men's basketball national title, then another $2,000 on Rutgers at 500-1. to Steve, make that bet. I was going to say, so at $1.9 million, <laughs> Steve, are you hedging at all? Are you going to get off of this? What's, what's the deal? I like my play now. I, I think if they can uh, advance, I've been winning some big games lately. If they can advance to the Sweet 16, when when can I start hedging? How far do they have to get, guys? <laughs> Second round. Yeah, got to get advanced a okay. little bit. All right, there you go. So I'm good. My tickets are good. Was this? Uh, I'm not going to ask if it was actually you. What do you think the legitimacy is of your Rutgers Scarlet Knights putting this guy in a position that he can actually get something out of this? I think they can make a run. I mean, they just beat the number one team in the country. I think there's lots of teams that can make runs. So I'm not. 
I'm not getting too fired up and having expectations of them reaching the, the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. I will say their team a couple of years ago uh, did blow a nine-point lead with four minutes left against Houston, and Houston went on to the Final Four. So there's a little bit of pedigree with the some of this group, some of this group. But, uh, no, I don't, I don't think they're going to win a national title. But He's I mean, at those numbers, into it. You're no, talking no, yourself into it. No, at those numbers, though, at 500-1, to one, I mean, if you're on a 500-1 to one team and they win a couple of games in the NCAA tournament, you should be fine. That's not to, a guarantee, but you, you should make some money out of it. I was trying to trick him into being like, we're the best team in the country. <laughs> no, you know I don't operate that way. Very cautious. Yeah. Very cautious. And I've and actually, um, I mean, I've learned the lesson over the years, and they haven't been in a position to be very good very often. But, I mean, I think this year is a good cautionary tale on – the way a lot of college basketball teams started, and now you know what they're facing right now, and one of them is UNLV. I mean, there's a lot of people out there. I think, you know, when UNLV got out to a nine and zero start, a lot of the fans, you know, I, I would send out kind of like you know after each game an update on where I think the win total is, and I never really got any higher than twenty and a half, and I mostly was around nineteen and a half, and I said, you know, I think eleven and seven in conference is going to be a pretty good mark, and people are like, well, that's not going to make the tournament. Well, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Like I, I'm. That's just you know what, what they're they're a good team, but you could see some things that may go wrong, and you know they're they're also a short team, not in terms of height, but in terms of the bench guys. So now that Elijah Parquet is down, probably for a little while longer, you can see the effects of it. And the other thing is, everyone makes adjustments throughout the season. So Keyshawn Gilbert, I think, was probably like number three, four, five on the scout for all the other teams. And now he's one of the top guys that you have to stop, especially with Parquet out. And, you know, the last few games since Washington State, he hasn't really reacted very well. So Rutgers is winning the championship. So, uh, yes, all of that was just to <laughs> deflect from me saying they better go to the Final Four or else I'm going to be really mad. You're just trying not to jinx your $1,200 bet as, or whatever. As, he, as he's wearing a Rutgers hoodie, by the way. We can see him. He is wearing a Rutgers hoodie. So it's the second well, day. I will, I, will, I will say I showed up to um, – a media function yesterday with a Rutgers hat on, and someone accused me of being a front runner, and that I only wear the stuff because they uh, they had That's just beaten Purdue. Accurate. Wow. Uh, more importantly, that's accurate. That's that is accurate. Okay. Where where you just bought it last week? Where are we going to set the Vipers win total? Eight games or ten games? Sorry, ten games. Ten game schedule. What are we going to set it at? Three. And Don't a half. they all have to be just like four and a half? Four and a half, five and a half. Yeah, I'll go over. I think they can win four okay. games. You don't know what that home field advantage is going to be like at cash. I'll book that, yeah. yeah. Let's go. Three and a half. Steve, you in? Uh, I'll go under. If Adam's going over, I'll go under. I'm not I'm not saying I have any idea, but I'll take my chances on the under. All right. Wait, it's three and a half? I'll juice no, it. No, it's four and a half. No, 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 no. You, said, you set it at four and a half. JVT said three I and said half. three and a half. Well, I... All right, I'll set it at four, juice to the under. Okay. That's fair. Juice to the under. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By the way, we have a controversy on the show, and I have not brought it up again because um, Willie was insisting on it, and now I have to go back and listen. When the Jets were sitting at, I think it was six and three. I think it was six and three. I I said to Willie because he was very high on the Jets at that point. I said, "I'll set the season win number at seven and a half." They got to seven, and the last three weeks, he's like, well, they got to seven. I'm like, it was seven and a half. <laughs> I would never set – I would have never set a seven. What's the point of betting on the show with our friendly bets and not having a tiebreaker? 
So now I have to go. I have to go back because now he's accusing me of lying that I set it at seven and not seven and a half. And by the way, how amazing is that? How good were the Jets coming out of the gates, and they may not get an eighth win. All I know is that if I say anything about Willie, he might pop up. He might just <laughs> show, show up. up, as he did on Festivus. Festivus was didn't go well. <laughs> he just appeared out of nowhere, <laughs> kind of like so. You say his name three times, and he just popped up. Well, the invite was there. He was he was he was given the invite. You know, I knew I wasn't going to be on the show. I'd say, hey, you know, you could go stop in. I didn't. I don't know. Did you? Was he getting bad calls? And then that was why he showed yeah. up. Yes. Yeah, of course, of course. Stormed into we the had, studio. We had to kick him out because he started to respond to people. <laughs> we, had to, we had to kick him out of the studio. Like, you can't against do the rules. It's yep, not against the rules. Against the rules. Also against the rules. How about this segue? Interrupting golfers while they're playing. Sure. Did you Did you see this? Jordan Spieth handled it well. Yeah, I did. I will say this. We're going to play this. Jordan Spieth. Uh, the PGA Tour, you know, the year is underway, essentially. They're out in Kapalua right now uh, playing the Century Tournament of Champions. I haven't checked the uh, leaderboard yet. I got some money in this thing. Uh, my goal is to bet on don't every— tell, Don't tell Jordan Spieth you got some money on Yeah, my goal is to bet on every single golf tournament <laughs> this year. Um, so we're going to play this for you. This is uh, during the first round yesterday. Spieth actually apparently heard two guys talking about their gambling on the event and walked over to kind of chastise them. Fire this. So the if you didn't hear it, it was guys. I I, I appreciate the exchanging of money. It's like I would be I, doing the same thing, but I can hear you all the way on the back side <laughs> of the green. Now it wasn't Spieth, but it was Justin Thomas. If you remember, I believe that chastised a man. I think it was during the Honda Classic. For the change in his pocket, yeah, that was jingling too much during his backswing or whatever it was. Golfers are fun. They, yeah, yeah, like they're they're. Kind I of actually, I think to be accurate, that might have been Patrick Reed. Oh, you're right. That, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I think that was Reed. And then uh, I'm trying to think of Thomas did get after somebody. Thomas did get after someone. I thought there was also, I thought there was also a golfer who got mad at people for walking because he could hear the blades of grass moving. <laughs> yeah. I'm no not way. making that up. Yeah. Oh yeah, there was a there was a run of like five petulant moments by golfers with the fans, and that was one of them. The blades of grass, the coins. Uh, there was Rory McIlroy said he was going to go beat someone up, which he would never do. Cut it out. And yet, what's it going to? They're they're building a sports book on the golf course right. in, in Scottsdale for that tournament. What is that going to be like? That is going to be wild. Oh my! Like, like, it, like it wasn't raucous enough. Now yeah. people have money on it. Yeah. Holy crap! They need I mean, to have- how do you, when you when you have. I'm sorry, John. When no, you no. have you have people right there with a sports book in the vicinity. How do you, as security, actually control them uh, if they've got negative bets on oh, yeah. golfers from not screaming on tee shots? They will. Or on putts. Right. Somebody might dive in front of a putt. Well, especially, I mean, and, and it's already a tournament that, like, it's a little bit accepted, right, where you can get a little bit more raucous and, and yeah, wild. Oh yeah. And it's on Super Bowl weekend right. in Phoenix. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely insane. Now, I also believe, I am one, too, they should have more tournaments like that. Like, I would love to see these golfers in, like, hostile situations oh, like yeah. every other athlete experiences and have somebody, I think, like, within 10 feet be like, you suck! Like I, th- I think road games. You have to play on somebody else's home course where, with all their friends. Right. They can just scream at you. <laughs> I'd watch more. Uh, I think I would, too. The speed handled it well, though. He can be a little cranky and whiny, right? My favorite thing watching golf at Jordan Speed is him yelling at his, his caddy. So, like, I think his caddy's name is Michael. He could have changed. But one of my you, – Matt Humans and I, my colleague of Easton, laugh all the time because we were watching one one time where he totally misjudged, like, an approach shot. 
and the mic just picks him up. Come on, Michael. Uh, Michael, come on. Michael, that's well, ridiculous. I, I, I think they're both – I think – well, I think Michael's a lunatic too. If we have the right guy, I'm pretty sure he served as the henchman in one of those fan moments where uh, Spieth and the caddy were annoyed because people were taking pictures, but they had the, the sound on. You know, you can hear the click. They were annoyed by the click of a cell phone. It's just like, to your point, you just made a minute ago, I mean, uh, put, them, put them on a free throw line in a basketball game. Yeah. <laughs> they would melt. They'd completely melt. The guy, the big guy behind the stanchion with the thunder sticks? <laughs> like, stop it. Just stop. You can't deal with it. Now, who's more annoying, golfers like that or newly minted sports gambling analyst and expert Ryan Leaf? Oh, boy. So... Steve sent this I, over. I, just, I, can't, I can't do this. Just, it's uh, so silly. Um, Ariel Epstein, who I, I don't know but is in gambling circles, now works for PointsBet, uh, tweeted out uh, that she now has a new job. She works for PointsBet. She's their newest on-air host. These hosts that will be joining her among them, Ryan Leaf, who is now apparently a sports betting expert, analyst. We're, what is this? Everyone is. <laughs> It's easy. As long as you know what minus and plus means, you're good, right? Some of them don't even know that. Can I tell you one of the most annoying things? This is, what I, this is totally gatekeeping. I totally understand sure. this. Sure. You want to know what irritates me the most? Is when people reference halves as .5. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm going to lay 4.5 points with the Tennessee Titans today. Like, let's call it a half. I, I, I write it on social media. Is that annoying? What do you mean? I'll do 4.5 on social media. Actually, I did it a little while ago it's, when I was tweeting out something to, about UNLV. It's, it's tough to find the macro button for the half. Yeah. So I think it, that's okay. I think that's fine. Okay. Actually, I think the right. fraction is more annoying. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, 4.5 is the way to go. It's just you don't say it. You don't it say what's 4. worse? 5. What's worse is saying 4.5 worse or saying the final score is 19 to 31. Oof. That's rough. Ooh. Uh, but also some of, the, some of the newer entrants in the gambling space will um, – th- they don't know how to say – to lay or to give or yeah. to take, and they'll be it'll be like an eight point favorite. Like I'll take the eight points with that. Like no, that's not that's not what that means. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's in, it's insanely infuriating. But as as JVT said, it is a bit gatekeeping of like, hey, we've been at this for a long time, and now other people are jumping in and trying to make money off something they know nothing about. Uh, but that's how it is. It's the so way the world works. We, we just got news a little while ago that Trevor Bauer, you know, he was, I'm, I'm not saying cleared. His suspension was ended by Major League Baseball less than a month ago. The Dodgers thought on it, and they just sent out a release that he is no longer going to be part of the organization. Is it gross for a sports book? It'll be in faraway places. But is it gross for a sports book in the next couple of days to put together a list of Trevor Bauer landing spots? Considering... The nature of the case, because as we open the show, we got all this stuff about, wow, it's a very delicate situation this week. Is it wrong to book where Trevor Bauer will land? No, because they'll say it happened however, what is it now, a year and a half ago or whatever it is, now even more? I think that's, right. how, they'll, that's how they'll rationalize it. He served his time. All right, where will he land? I think, the, what, the Padres are up there? I think that's one of the top teams. Ooh, I would say based on the... Accuser and the incident, it's not going to be San Diego. Okay. Yeah, it won't be. It will, what do you think, Adam? It will not be San Diego. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think it'll be Southern California. Oh, okay. So who's going to have the stones to take on the PR hit for, for a while? 
Well, what it wouldn't somebody sign him for like a day and then go somewhere else so that the place that signs him temporarily can take the PR hit and then he can just move on to Texas A&M? What? I don't understand that. Oh, boy. It, 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 oh, like okay. the, the most sarcastic Bobby Petrino hit. <laughs> what are we doing? It hit me so hard. I yeah. it went totally we over doing? my head. Yeah. All right, 5 o'clock hour on the way. A big thank you for everybody up in Reno who joined us for our Battleborn Sports Hour.